Hi everyone, it's Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. Welcome back to the podcast. It's um, it's really great to have uh, another guest on the podcast. I've been doing over the past few weeks the Self Care Untruth series. It's been really fun to share what I think um, is our self care blocks that many of us get caught up in and how these self care blocks relate to the the blocks I think we're experiencing as a collective society right now. So if you miss those, go back and listen to them. And um, but it's also really fun to not have to just talk to uh, into the microphone by myself for a podcast. So I'm very happy to have Gretchen Geg with me here today. So hi, Gretchen. Hello. <laughs> um, and Gretchen, she is a certified mentor for moms, a personal trainer, yoga instructor, and the creator of the wellness program MIMO, which stands for Mind Into Motion. Gretchen is known for her innovative class experiences and the ability to take things out of the box to make an impact. She talks fast. I love that because I talk fast too. <laughs> Works. It's the truth. Yeah, and it's just nice to say it so we don't have to change and be different than who we are. She works hard and truly believes that anyone can love what they see when they look in the mirror. I love that. On a daily basis, you will find her playing on the floor with her little girl, whipping up nutritious treats for her family. I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you like to cook for your family and um, laughing so hard that her stomach hurts. Uh, (laughs) So uh, so Gretchen, she's a mom and she is a, um, she's many things. And we're going to talk on this podcast about mindset because uh, that's something that she's found essential for her clients and her work in health coaching. And it's something that I've found to be increasingly important as well. And it's, it's great to have you on this end of the, uh, of the interviewing series because I was one of uh, Gretchen's guests for her MIMO program before. So thanks for continuing the conversation, Gretchen. Yes, of course. I had such a great time last time. Why not come back for more? Absolutely. <laughs> so can you start by telling us more of your own story of how did you decide that you wanted to get into personal training and health coaching and wellness? Yeah, for sure. So um kind of a roundabout way and then it all culminates with a little um with a little help thing for myself so I I was an athlete all the way through everything and you know I went to college and I got my degree in kinesiology and I started working for um the health and kinesiology department at Texas A&M where I've been for nine years and I can actually say it now that I am leaving that position to pursue um working with moms full-time as of December. I know this is like the first real thing I've told because now my boss knows. Um, so, um, but that whole time I was into help, helping people with their health, whether it was through teaching them a yoga class or fitness or personal training. Um, I really thought I had it all together and there's probably somebody out there who can relate to this until I had my baby (laughs) and It was the first time I really got hit with um, a mental health block, right? And it was, I mean, I could give it a name. I could call it postpartum depression, which it absolutely was. But for me, it was a total block. I never dealt with anything like that before. Um, And I didn't know where to go. And I'm sure someone else out there can relate when you're, you find yourself in this moment that you thought you had it all together with your health, especially when that's something that you've promoted and then something happens to you. And I had this little shift at that point, And I, this is when I ended up becoming a mentor for moms is because I figured out that the only way to truly get out of that. And I was on medication and I was exercising and I firmly believe that's important, but it wasn't until I started 
um, participating in metacognition, which is just being really, really attuned to where your mindset is going, what you're thinking about, what your belief system is in the current moment. It wasn't until that point that I was really able to make a shift and get out of that place. Um, so from that point on my life, it really did. It took a 180. And of course, part of that is having a child. I think no one's life is ever the same after that. Um, but it was more the personal health issues that I went through on top of that, that made me shift my focus and realize it's so much more than just physical health and actions that we're taking toward our health. It's a lot about what our mind is saying about our present situation. I so agree with that. And it's, it's been kind of like the deepest form of self-care that I've known is that even on the surface, if I'm doing all the things, but inside I'm just in a, in a dark place, like it doesn't even matter what I'm doing because I'm, I'm just feeling stuck internally. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How did you learn about metacognition and can you explain a bit more about what that means? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I actually found, um, a mom coach at that point. Um, her name is Hannah Keeley and um, you can, of course, connect with her on Facebook, and she's got um, pages. If you just Google Hannah Keeley, you can find her. But um, I I found her at that point um, because I wanted to reach out and find moms who had been through what I'd been through and find a little bit of help um, more than just, you know, I, I was at home. I wanted a support group, but I didn't want to drive somewhere and sit in a room with people and hope that it was going to help. I needed a mom who could basically come to me. And so um, I found her at that point and I listened to an interview that she did. Um, and I had, you know what, I had the doctor's name written down, but it was a doctor that was talking specifically about thinking about what you're thinking about. And that was the whole point. And I listened to this podcast and I listened to this coaching and then I listened to two or three more um, interviews and they kept coming back to think about what you're thinking about, which is basically metacognition. It's being aware of the thoughts that are going on in your head at any given time. And then she said something, though, that that really this is what stuck with me. And this is what made me want to help other moms is that we can't just overcome thoughts with thoughts. So metacognition part one is being aware of what we're thinking about at any, you know, what what their recommendation was for step one. Anybody trying to get out of this kind of negative mindset place is to set a timer every hour. And when that goes off, you just kind of stop and you go, okay, am I, am I spiraling downward? At least for me, that's what it was. Am I thinking, am I thinking all these negative thoughts or can I, can I back out of an attitude check? But then on top of that, can we say out loud where it is that we want to be? Um, whether for me, that was, I am happy. I am excited about life. I am in a good place. I am a loving mother. Um, all the things that I was really struggling with, I would just say it out loud, whether I believed it or not. And that was the part of metacognition, more than just thinking about what you're thinking about. That was the, the switch for me that really made a big difference. Wow. And it's, it's subtle, right? This work of thinking about what you're thinking about. Like, that's, that's something oh my gosh. That, yeah. Yes. Like, what, like, we're kind of sold these kind of big movements and actions of things to do to feel better. But the, I mean, that's really where I see the power of meditation being is that we have oh, yeah. practice some spaciousness and that spaciousness, it's not so we can have these perfect Zen minds, but it's rather like you're saying to catch yourself when you're in a thought spiral. 
Right. Well, and it's, you know, had honestly, Gracie, had they called the first little interview that I found, had it been titled like metacognition and its effect on the mindset, I would not have clicked on it. I wouldn't have because metacognition meant nothing to me. But when I saw the like, think about what you're thinking about, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And so now to have this big fancy label to put on it is nice. But at the end of the day, you're right. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. So when you're thinking about what you think about and you're noticing that you're in that spiral, is was there like a step-by-step process of how you would reverse the spiral from happening? Yeah. So, and this is for me personally, and this is kind of how I guide my clients is I have affirmation and I call them affirmations. You can call them belief statements. You can call them declarations. It doesn't really matter, but I have these, or even yoga, we call them mantras. It's the same thing. Um, So I have these and I have them pre-write them out. Like, I want you to write out what your belief statement it should be. And, you know, you don't want to write out the negative. But let's say, and I work with a lot of people now um, who are dealing with weight loss and their, kind of, their block is kind of where I was. It's a depression. It's kind of where you've given up. And so I have them write out, um, I am capable, I am, whatever it is. And so they have this list with them. And when they do their attitude check, when they catch themselves in this spiral, they just go back to that page or um, even like a voice memo on their phone of them saying it and they can say, repeat along with it, you know? So as they see this stuff, as they feel themselves going down the spiral, they physically stop and say out loud all of these other things. And the idea is to just put it out there and put that feeling on your body. And it really does it felt so silly the first time I did it. It felt just absolutely ridiculous because I'm sitting here and sometimes I'd even be crying. I'm happy. I'm such a good mom. But, you know, you, you can't really cry through saying that for a long time. So eventually it starts to become part of your mindset. It's true. It's true. It, and, and I think the the, the untruth, I, I, many of us, fall into with this and I'm included in this sometimes is that we start to believe that our thoughts are us like we overly identify with our thoughts so it's like Mm -hmm. I am a sad person because I have sad thoughts and so it's yes it's instead like yeah changing that whole storyline which can sound really easy but when we're in the momentum of those emotions I think it's so hard I this is where like I've I've you know, read a lot and listen to a lot about the law of attraction. And I'm honestly mm-hmm. like not at all interested in manifesting a new car for myself or, you know, <laughs> gathering more resources. Right. But what has helped me in learning those teachings is how to work with my thoughts and emotions. And it's about the idea that like our thoughts are just like radio waves that are running in and out of our head all the time. And we are the ones who get to decide of what we want to tune the station to. And then when I am intentional around like I want to tune my station to more gratitude, more appreciation, more compassion, more humility, that's when I really see things start to change in my life. It's it's amazing. But no one no one really taught me how to do that. Like I, I think I feel like these should be like kindergarten skills. Right. Well, and that's, I, that has been the most fun, honestly, that I've had in, um, mentoring moms and, and not all moms come from a place where they're at the bottom of their barrel, right? Some people just need some support, especially people who are um, working from home or staying at home. Um, and you know, I'm in Texas, so we, I do know a lot of moms who they don't live in the middle of a city where they can put their kid in a pram and walk around, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck. And so some moms just need 
somebody there to help them with that kind of stuff. And I've had a lot of fun teaching them these things because once you learn them, they're so powerful, but you're right. I'd never heard before. Hey, why don't you record a voice memo of yourself saying all these things? And yeah, I, I agree with you. I know a lot of people that use it also for like almost like a vision board or manifesting um, physical objects. But most of my affirmations are the things that I'm saying to myself every single day are things like um, my home is filled with love and laughter. Um, you know, the little stuff that I think I need first and a lot of especially moms and I know that's where my emphasis is on moms because that's who I work with but anyone we really need that little stuff first we don't need to worry so much about manifesting the big things we just need the little bitty stuff well we I think we confuse in our in our culture that the big things with the little things so we feel like if we get the car and we get the new job um then we're going to be happy and what oh gosh <laughs> I've learned about the importance of a mindset is that I like if I am happy maybe I'll get the car maybe I'll get the new job and sometimes it it is interesting how the flow does lead to more abundance and prosperity when I am in a better mindset but that the mindset is what we're all looking for and it's actually the one thing that's in our power to control Yes. And can I tell you a quick, interesting story about one of my clients and I won't mention names, but, um, so, uh, we, one of the things, the first thing that I do when I, when I have someone, um, start my program is we do like an assessment of the different components of wellness. So we look at them all and I call it the wellness pie. So we have like health and emotional, uh, mental, spiritual, um, occupational, financial, environmental. I mean, it runs the gamut. And they're all like these pieces in the pie and we look at, we assess it. And then we talk about how the crust really is the mindset. That's what's holding it together. And so I have them go through and write out affirmations or belief statements for each and every component of their wellness that they say to themselves. They say out loud every day. I say, if you can do it in the mirror, because I think there's something to be said for looking ourselves in the eye when we can. Um, And one of my clients, Joanna, who she was, 250 pounds overweight and you know my specialty is health and wellness so that's that's who comes to me primarily is people who really need some help in that area and the first thing that they want to do and the first thing she wanted to do was know how she was going to work out how she was going to eat you know the the action steps to weight loss and so we I said well you know just kind of play my game for a little while and let's just see so she wrote out affirmations Um, and that's where she started. And I mean, it's not because of the affirmations, obviously there were some lifestyle changes, but she was empowered to make those lifestyle changes because she was saying things to herself, like I'm fit, firm and muscular. I'm a healthy weight. I'm capable. I'm going to my kids' volleyball games. I'm walking out onto the court for my daughter's homecoming, which she did this past week. And she's lost over 150 pounds at this point. And it didn't start with, you know, the stuff, like we're saying, it didn't start with the diet and the extra, it started with how she felt about herself. And I think that is such an incredible testimony to the fact that it's not about getting the right things. It's about getting our mind in a place where we can be accepting of the right things. Beautiful. Yeah. The receptivity is, it's so important. And again, it's really subtle. I think we know a lot more and, and society around like what is it to give and many of us identify more as givers than receivers 
but it's, it right. can be so powerful to get into the mindset of like, oh, I'm worthy of receiving these wonderful things yes. in my life. Yes. Even, even something as simple as love. I mean, you see people all the time who are, um, they're unhappy and they're, they're wanting this thing, but they haven't opened themselves up to really receive it. And I, I think it has to start with self-love. And I mean, like it says my bio, I tell people, I want you to love what you see in the mirror right now, not 50 pounds from now, not after you can do this one yoga pose, you know, life isn't one picture on Instagram. <laughs> no, no. Even though sometimes <laughs> we just want to pretend that it is because it feels a little easier. Right. Right. So what, okay. So you changed your mindset. You were in this, this dark place after your pregnancy, you, uh, mm-hmm. you got help, which I want to just point out is an awesome self-care move is that you reached yeah. out of yourself to ask for help. I can't do this alone. Oh, for sure. And, and not just, I mean, to my doctor too, like I, I was on, I was on Zoloft. I mean, I, I don't think I could have done it without that. And I do want to point that out because I think we can sometimes get into a stigma around, well, I should just be able to do it with my, no, no, no. You take the help that you need in that moment because otherwise you're not going to be able to get out of it the way that you want to get out of it. Thank you for saying that. I think it's, it's really important for people to hear that. So, so you, okay. So what, started to changing your life when you changed your mindset? Uh, So it wasn't night and day by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, the first few times I was affirming myself through tears. Um, But slowly what, what I start, I started to feel the way that I was talking. So I started to feel like I had a little bit more control. Um, I started to feel that um, and, you know, part of it, even, and this is a really a hard thing, um, and I've had a lot of a lot of opportunities to talk about my postpartum depression, but one of the um, scariest things is you're not bonding with your kid the way you could. And that terrified me, and it just pushed me further down. So I started to actually enjoy being with my daughter and not just feel like her, the person that birthed her, right? I started to feel um, more of a bond there. And... Um, and I think because of that, I was able to um, move out. I mean, part of it, I don't want to say like I did it all with my mind because I also firmly believe that there are, especially with postpartum depression, some hormonal issues. Um, but I was able to to just put things into perspective and to step outside myself for a minute. And I was, I just, I got back to quote unquote, very quote unquote normal because I'm by no one's normal. Uh, but I just started to move back into normal and my relationship was better with my husband, with my um, daughter, with my mother who was living with us at the time. Uh, so I just saw some big life changes there. That's great. And again, such such a simple way to go about doing it, but so challenging too. Well, what it, what have you learned in your process of working with your own mindset? Because I don't find it's like a one-time thing that you adjust your mindset and then you're done. Oh, no. No. So I. Yeah. What 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 is yeah. what's the evolution of your mindset understanding then? Yeah. So I I kind of treat myself like a business. I do these quarterly evaluations because, like, I'm a very regimented person. <laughs> so um, I actually go and I list because I I do affirmations every day. I have some. Um, I record them on my phone, and I repeat them out loud in the morning. Just because I find that if I don't do that. Now that I've gotten so used to it, I can very easily fall into um, some negative mindset. So I do a 
kind of quarterly evaluations and I listen to my affirmations and I kind of just see if, if they're jiving with where I want my life to be in that moment, or if there's some other place that has cropped up in the past month or two where I need, um, to focus, especially, you know, I have, she's 19 months now. So just having a young child, everything changes much more than every quarter, but, um, things are changing all the time. There's little, uh, for instance, I quit my job this week. Right. So yeah, I know. So I'm like, that's going to require like an overhaul of like, what do I need to be saying to myself at this point? Because my, my fears, right. Which are going to take over my thoughts, of course, need to be addressed before they become that thought. They become that habitual thought. So I know one of my fears is that, um, I'm not going to have enough money. And I think that's everyone or any entrepreneur's fear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so I know that I need to go ahead and say every morning, like, um, I'm financially secure, even if I don't feel that way, even if I haven't looked at my bank account, like I'm going to say that because I know that if I don't, my mind is immediately going to go into the fear. So I think, you know, it might not be every quarter, but every quarter is at least at, at least every quarter go in and kind of, I take, take stock of my life and I just look at where my fears might be or where some of my negative thoughts might be, or maybe a relationship that I'm not nurturing. Um, I think self-care can also look like relationship care. I know that, um, I really want to make sure that my husband and I have a good relationship. Um, so sometimes that's putting him into those affirmations and talking about our relationship, but that's what I do. And I'm constantly, constantly reevaluating that. Hmm. I love your quarterly check-ins. That's such a nice, like a period of time to really create a few tools and see how they go and then reevaluate again. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And the moms that you work with, have they been able to pass on these mindset skills to their children uh, as a mom. I'm, I'm curious about this as yeah. well. Like how do I help? I have a 13 month old. How do I help him like learn how to, that he is responsible for his own mindset? Right. And I think, um, you and I are both in this boat of like, what are they actually like cognitively processing at this point? Totally. <laughs> like, because they're not really talking back to us so much, you know, like I, my daughter pointed at her cup and said water. And I was like, <gasps> she's the most brilliant kid in the world. Um, <laughs> totally, so, yeah. so, so, you know, it's, um, but I do have um, some clients and some fellow mentors who have um, older children and they, they just go through the same process with them. I and mean, it might look a little bit different, but there's, I think, we sometimes undervalue what just being an example can do. And I hear all the time from either moms um, who are clients of mine or fellow mentors of mine. Oh my gosh, I do this thing all the time. And then I caught my kid doing it in a good way. I mean, like the moms that do the affirmations on their phone. Well, the kids are listening right along with it. So that's that in and of itself kind of shows them, Hey, this is what we believe because you're not saying, well, this isn't true yet, but we're going to believe it anyway, even though we don't feel good. They're just hearing these words being said. And I have some moms I know that, um, they're big on doing AM and PM routines and they find their kids making their own little routine sheets or vision boards or whatever their little niche is. Their kids are copying this. So I think 
um, at least for me, what I'm hoping for, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert here, is that I can be an example for my daughter and kind of show her what I do um, and then help her along the way when it looks like it's faltering. I think that makes so much sense that like we don't really teach by telling somebody to do something, especially our children seems like they're going to rebel against us. Right. Exactly. Oh, I, I didn't do anything my mom told me to do. Sure. No, no. But we do. We learn by seeing how people act towards themselves. And so I, I see it a lot with clients and something I picked up on is, is moms that struggle with their own body image. And if, if moms are not happy with their own bodies and you can tell that, like, I think the kids just pick up on that really early, too. And, and I don't say that out of a place of blame because we all get it from somewhere unconsciously. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, if we can just get conscious about what's unconscious of like, why do I feel bad about right. my body all the time and don't like what I look like in the mirror? then we can begin to be like, well, is, is that have to be that way? But I, I do think that the kids are always watching us and that they're looking for leadership and us, us taking leadership over our own minds and our own lives is, is a powerful example. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, in the, in the bigger realm of, of mindset, I, I was very excited for our conversation because I've been thinking a lot lately that what is necessary in our culture is a, is a mindset shift. I, I see us very oh polarized and no, and no yes. matter what side of the, you're on, it, it's contentious and it's, um, it's emotionally just really, really hard and that no one's changing their minds on this. It's like we're getting further and further entrenched in our own belief system. And so I've been talking a lot with Mike and my partner of like, how do we change minds and what, what goes into that? So I'm curious, how do you see these, these personal mindset shifts feeding into the bigger ability to change a mindset? Yeah, and I think like you really were kind of nailing it a second ago when you were talking about um, being conscious of our unconscious, because I think what goes along with our unconscious is also a lot of um, the belief system that we have been exposed to throughout our life. Um, and there's there's a, a small awakening if you are open to it. And I think a lot of people push back against it because sometimes becoming aware of the unconscious can get really, really scary. Um, and if it's not done with a guide, this is when I think everyone needs a mentor or a coach or somebody because if you're delving into that part of your, um, whether you believe it or not, your reality, right, your unconscious, without a guide, it can get it can get so scary that we just push back against it. Um, but there are beliefs that have been going on um, in our society, whether it's beliefs about race or status or um, even like political leanings, because that goes back generations and generations and generations sometimes um, that. It's, it's in our unconscious, whether we, we can say on the outside, no, 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 I don't believe that way. But until we sit back and really become open to that unconscious and figure out what and be okay with sometimes some uncomfortable stuff coming up because you haven't been, you know, making yourself aware of it because it's uncomfortable. As soon, though, as we can become conscious of that and say, wow, this is something that I felt toward this person, even though. Um, and I'm going to use like racism, for example, like if I can sit back, um, and I come from a, you know, my white privileged background and I maybe watch someone of color walk past, I just sit for a minute, first gut reaction, how do I feel and be totally open to 
bringing that to the conscious and then speaking out how I want to feel about that. And that might sound like crazy and weird and woo woo, but, um, at least for me that, and I'm, I'm not perfect at it. I'm not great at it, but it's something that I know can happen. And it's something that I think if we're all comfortable with getting uncomfortable, we could see some huge shifts in a really, really good direction. I think that's a really powerful practice that you talked about there about taking a moment when we see someone who is not like us, because I, right. I, I, I personally believe that there's something in our nervous system that when we experience something that doesn't feel familiar, that there's something that shoots up like fear and that fear can really inform thoughts that, like you're saying, they're generations that go back. And so the moment that we can just receive the fear receive the information that our brain is telling us in that moment and then act from that different part of our brain that is able to like put that in context of like, Oh, is that really true? And what, what, what feels truer to me? That's uh, again, all of this can happen just in a split second and totally unconscious, mm-hmm. or we can slow it down and become more intentional. But I agree. Yeah, it's, I was, it's super yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, I, I even look at um, people that have had, um, bad relationships I think um, this is a practice that you know I'm sure that people have gone through in therapy with because for some reason it's more comfortable to sit with um, you know man versus woman for some reason it's more comfortable for people to be okay with that being I guess because it's so extremely different I don't even know Um, but coming across like how are you how do you really feel toward like men or women in general I know has been used in in therapy processes for years and years. But I think that's, you know, that's a place where we can, I think it's just the whole discomfort. People get really uncomfortable when you're right, when it's something different um, and they're scared, they're going to be really judged for their unconscious thoughts. And that too can be a place where we can be really accepting, you know, like I might not agree with your reaction, but it's a valid reaction. And what can we do? if you're interested in changing, to change that. And, and well, in the moment that there's space to talk about it and the moment that there's willingness to talk about it of like, wow, I just had this reaction. Like, as you're saying, wow, I, that mm-hmm. thought just came to me and that does not feel like aligned with my value system, but it's still there. I think that that's, that's when we're starting to get a, like thinking about our thoughts. It's like you, you get that little bit of space around it. And I feel like the healing is already in process when we can yeah. bring it to the table, take the shame out of it and actually like lean into accountability of like, okay, well, what does it look like to change the way that I think about that right or, or change my language over around it I was I was um visiting some friends in Orlando and someone that I love just a wonderful man he used a term that uh it was something to describe women that I was like what like what what, what, what you say and and he was saying it and I I knew the way the place that it was coming from and it, it wasn't actually like a bad place but what but I was like so let's talk about that I was like you just used that word and you used it in this one way and what well, okay, I'll just say it. The word he used was pussy. And he oh, was God. using it to describe like <laughs> like somebody calling, like he was like, oh, don't be a pussy. He was like talking about the story that he told. Oh, God. Of like using it to describe someone being like like weak or like lacking courage. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yeah. let's talk about that. Because I don't think you meant to like be disparaging to women in that comment. But like that, that is like my reaction to it. And right. he was like, oh my gosh. He's like, I didn't even think about that. I was just using it in this one context, but he's like, you're right. I don't. And he was so open to hearing my feedback. And so just like, no, I'm going to make a change. That's not what I want it to be. That's so cool. 
but yeah, I, and yeah. I, and you're, you're right. Like we have to, to be, um, like on, in his stance, he does such a great job of like, Oh, that makes you uncomfortable because I think sometimes it's so ingrained in the unconscious that we don't even know where it came from. Like, Oh, I just, I really seriously thought that this was what I was saying. It's like, well, no, because when you say that, um, I know it wasn't, it, it was like a several, I still sometimes hear, I teach college students right now and I still sometimes hear them using the word like, um, they use gay derogatively, but not toward someone who's actually homosexual. I don't know if you've heard like the, Oh, that's, they'll say like, Oh, that's gay or something. And totally. I, I will constantly call them on that. I'm like, I know maybe you heard this all the time growing up and didn't realize what you were doing to other people but we need to stop right now and have a conversation about it. And typically that's all it takes, honestly. It's making the the unconscious conscious. Right. Because they've been saying it for so long. They have no idea. Again, it's like deeply ingrained. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's a level of vulnerability if you're the person hearing it to call, call this person out. I was like, you know what? It's going to change the whole nature of this conversation. And I knew that because everyone was just Mm -hmm. sort of joking around. And I was like, if I bring this up, it's going to, it's going to sober the conversation. But I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it anyways. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's where, um, that's where I think too, you know, where people get uncomfortable because it does, it changes it and nobody wants to be the party pooper for whatever reason, but it needs to be said. And there, there are those of us who will always be a little bit of the party pooper, but you know, people will stop saying stuff like that around us. It's true. And I think there's <laughs> a way that in general, yeah, we can do it in a way that's not necessarily deflating. And I think that's like, right. just because it's vulnerable to, to give feedback and it's vulnerable to receive feedback. And if we can be aware of the vulnerability in that situation, this is just how I see it. It's that we can deepen. And I felt, I felt closer to this person afterwards. I'm already close to him, yeah. but I was like, he, I, I thought how he received it. And I felt how much he did not want to be saying that once I called him out on it. And it was right. like, and all of a sudden the conversation had a different tone, but it went deeper in a, in a positive way too. Yeah. And you are, I think you hit the nail on the head by not being accusatory. And that again goes into how are we reacting when someone else's unconscious comes up that doesn't agree with our unconscious? Like, are we assuming that that is what they want their value system to be? Or are we comfortable enough to question it before making assumptions and accusations? Mm-hmm. Same way that we would question ourselves. Like, do I really believe that I need to like get plastic surgery? Like, is that really true or whatever we like thoughts will come to mind, but Mm -hmm. being able to question like someone else. And I've heard just a powerful question is to ask us like, what did you mean by that? Oh, I like that. Yeah. And then you really have to force someone to get conscious about it and be like, yeah, what is, what is that? And that's not, that's not thing. You don't have to come up with analysis in that moment. It's just a further level of inquiry. I like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I got that from um, Jessica Fish. She's uh, her Instagram is Shakti Shakti Vision. Sorry, <laughs> Shakti Vism, like activism, but with Shakti. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yeah. I have to find her. Okay, so I always ask this, and I'm very curious to hear yes. your response. Um, what is self care mean to you? Um. So, based on our conversation, I would say number one are my um affirmations that I do daily. That's my daily self-care, but also kind of like total indulgence. And based on our previous conversation, sometimes it literally looks like getting in my daughter's leftover bath water and like letting my husband go get her ready for bed. I love that. <laughs> and just laying there because that's so, it's the best ever. You don't even have to fill up the bathtub. Like it's already half full. 
swarm. There's like rubber duckies even if you get bored, right? So, you know, that's the affirmations on the daily, the bath when I can get it. That's beautiful. And I, I believe in that simplicity of you find what works for you and work it and you will see changes. Absolutely. Well, for those of the people listening out there who, especially the mamas out there who are needing to look at their mindset and how that's affecting how they live and how they parent, um, how can people get in touch with you? So they can just go to my website um, and it's very simply Gretchen Gegg. So G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N-G-E-G-G, no R, Gegg, no R, (laughs) dot com. Um, so GretchenGag.com, and then they can also find me. I'm on Instagram at GretchenGag. Um, Facebook is like GretchenGag Friends, I think. I have a page there. So any of those venues, pretty easy to find me. Wonderful. Well, Gretchen, it's always a pleasure. I love your attitude. I love your spirit of inquiry, and I love your, your sense of humor. They're all really powerful self-care oh, tools. Oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. And thanks. And for everybody who is listening out there, I hope that you can take away from this podcast the importance of a mindset and in this big world of many crazy things that feel like they're just increasing every day. There's so much we don't have control over. And I do really believe that we do have control over the thoughts that we think, what we choose to believe about ourselves and how to begin to change that. So apply some of this just by slowing down, taking a perspective on your own perspective, thinking about your thoughts. And, um, and reach out for support because there are a lot of people out there who can help you, including Gretchen. So thank you so much. Thanks, Gretchen. Talk to you soon. Everybody keep taking care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place.